mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, When the Nightmare is Over. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Psalms, chapter 126, verses 1 through 6. Here now... Pastor Moody. And I'm going to preach tonight for a little while on the thought of when the nightmare is over. When the nightmare is over. Go with me to Psalms 126. Psalm 126. This is another one of those songs of a Psalms, which is a song of degrees. And it's believed that the Israelites sang these as they ascended up the steps going to the temple. David wrote many of them, and I know he wrote before the temple was built, but he wrote them prophetically, yet they also contain historical facts, as this psalm does, about when Israel was brought back out of captivity from Babylon and brought back into the homeland. So I want to preach tonight on the thought of when the nightmare is over. Psalm 126, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. In other words, it was so good we just couldn't believe it was true. We thought it was a dream. Hallelujah. We were like them that dream when we got to come home. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. That's the testimony of the world when the church has revival. The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south, that they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. I want to read that again. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Preaching for a few minutes tonight when the nightmare is over. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of the Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the anointing, the presence of God in this house tonight. The Bible said because of the anointing, the yokes are destroyed. People can be set free tonight. They can walk out here with victory, with liberty, with health, with miracles, with healing. They can walk out of here with the favor of God on their lives, with prosperity in their path. Move for them, God, I pray. Turn down strongholds as we preach this morning. Tear down that middle wall of partition. Everything that hinders us, move it, God, that we can be right with you. We'll give you praise. And the church said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Let me say tonight, I'm glad for the visitors that are here. Appreciate all of you tonight. This psalm, I think, refers to the end of a nightmare for Israel. This was a time that they were remembering when God had brought them back from the captivity. 
and had brought back the captivity of Zion or brought them out of captivity into a time of refreshing and restoration back into the homeland. And God had often promised this to Israel. He'd often promised them, amen, that when they were dispersed because of sin or because of their failing God, that when they truly repented, how many knows the Bible said godly sorrow works repentance? When they truly repented and turned back to God with their whole heart, that God would again bring them back and restore them. Even when Solomon built the temple and he was dedicating the temple, he said, Lord, if your people sin and they're carried away in captivity and taken into bondage, and he even said, if you shut up the heavens that there's no rain, drought begins to grip the land and disease begins to sweep across the land. He said, if they'll turn toward this place and begin to call upon your name, he said, will you forgive them? Will you restore them? Will you return them? And then and I, he said uh, uh, in Second Chronicles 7, 14, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, he said, and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal their land. Isn't that good? I'll be their God. There will be a time when God was saying, whether it's in captivity or whether it's under judgment in the land, that I will restore them, I'll bring them back. And in Deuteronomy 31, it said, It shall come to pass when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind of all the nations, whether the Lord thy God hath driven thee, and shall return to the Lord your God, and obey his voice according to all that I have commanded you this day, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul. Verse 3, that then the Lord God will turn thy captivity. That means God will release you from the bondage. He'll end the nightmare, can you say amen? The problem, the disease, the struggle, the attack, the, the hindrance, whatever it is that's come against you. I thought there's so many things in the Bible that tells us that can cause hindered prayers, can cause us to lose out on the blessing of God, can cause us to be scattered out of his presence and out of his anointing. I want to tell you tonight, I really believe that, that God's wanting to return to the church in, in a greater way than we've seen it in a lot of years. Hallelujah. Can I get a witness? I believe God wants us to have revival like they used to have revival. Amen. When I got in, they were talking about what happened with Harley Hensley's day. So I had Harley Hensley come to the church, preach for us. They, they was talking about, uh, you know, Claude Ely and all the great moves of God that they had. So I investigated some of that, and I began to search around about revivals in the old times and, and in the previous generation, Sister Bonnie, and, and I studied about the Welsh revival. I studied about Azusa Street and some of the great moves of God, and I found out that there's always a, a prerequisite to revival, and that is, first of all, repentance. Jesus said in Luke 13 and 3, except you repent, you'll all perish. You'll all suffer wants. You'll all begin to diminish and waste away on the vine. But when the church truly repents, and, and when we think of repentance, we think of somebody coming like that woman that Jesus met at the well, been married five times and living with a man caught in sin, the other one that they brought to Jesus to be stoned to death. And we think, you know, about repentance like that. But can I tell you, I think there's a time in the church when there needs to be true repentance to turn away from our lethargy. If you know what lethargy is, that's religion without emotion. 
Lethargy is religious practice without fire and without zeal, without a move of the Spirit. When we repent of our lethargy, when, when we get to the point that we say, God, I'm tired of church with nothing happening. I'm tired of just going through the motions. Can I get a witness? Hallelujah. I feel like tonight we was about to break into something. Praise God. And I really think when people begin to seek the Lord with your whole heart, he'll be found with you. Repentance is not just sorrow, but repentance is a turning around. It's turning away from my way of doing things. It's turning away from, from being sort of settled in. Can I get a witness? I want to tell you, when we seek him with our whole heart, He'll be found with us. Carol, I think it's a time when we need to press in. Hallelujah. The Bible said, John the Baptist said, or Jesus said, from the days of John the Baptist to now, the kingdom of God suffers violence. But then he said, but now, the violent take it by force. I think it's time for an aggressive church. I think it's time for a church to be the militant pillar and ground of truth that God always intended it to be. I think we ought to be a church that says we'll not be satisfied with, with what the world's tried to pull us down with. We'll not be satisfied with formal religion. Amen. Jensen Franklin said we don't want church as usual. He said normal is overrated. Hallelujah. I like that. We need to get to a place where we're ready for a breakthrough. We're ready, amen. God, uh, uh, Sister Gail preached one night in a meeting uh, that we were in uh, uh, down in the Carolinas, and she said you need a breakthrough before you break down. Hallelujah. And I think this is the time we're in now that many church people need a breakthrough. I think people need a move of God. Can I get a witness? People are living a nightmare. It's not, they're not living the dream. Brother Tommy, they're living the nightmare. They're over overcome by pressure. They're overcome by stress. It seems like the enemy is coming from every direction. Well, the Bible said when he comes in seven ways, God will drive him out. Hallelujah. When he comes in one way, God will drive him out seven. When the enemy comes in like a flood, your Bible said in Isaiah 59 and 19, the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against him. I tell you, there's a time that we need to get to a place where we say, God, God, I'm tired of the nightmare. I'm tired of the battle. I'm tired of the struggle. I'm tired of oppression. I'm tired of discouragement. Oh, God, I'll find you somewhere here in a minute. I'm tired of financial difficulty. I'm tired of sickness. I'm tired of the enemy coming in and robbing my blessings. I'm ready for the nightmare to be over. Hallelujah. Woo, Glory. Go around and tell somebody he's going to help you if you'll let him. Praise God. Isaiah said, it shall come to pass in that day. Hallelujah. That the Lord shall set his hand again. In Isaiah 11, 11, the second time to recover the remnant of his people which shall be left. I read that God will set his hand the second time. How many's ever had the Lord touch you? How many's ready for him to touch you the second time? <laughs> Hallelujah. How many got saved? Hallelujah. How many got baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues? How many's been healed? Hallelujah. Had God do financial blessings and miracles for you? But I just wonder, are you ready for him to do it the second time? My, my, my. I'm just going to preach tonight on when the nightmare is over. 
when God hears you, when God listens to you, when you get God's attention, when you finally pray through, press through, break through, do whatever you have to do to get to a place hey, where God can come and meet you at the point of your need. Hallelujah. When the nightmare is over, Jeremiah prophesied during the time of captivity. Jeremiah said it in 16 and 14. He said, therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that it shall no more be said, the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Now I want you to get what Jeremiah is saying. He's saying our nation is just all time living on the memory of what God did through Moses. We're always saying, well, the Lord liveth that brought us out of Egypt. I know how many people tonight, or I wonder how many people tonight are sitting in this church and other places. Some of them didn't have enough to come back tonight. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah, I preached on be filled and they got full and stayed home. Hallelujah or something. Or tired or something rather. But they, they'll say, well, the Lord saved me. Can I get a witness? Jeremiah said, all you do is remember when God brought you out of Egypt. But he said, there's coming a time when they'll no longer be talking about that. Verse 15, but they'll say, but the Lord liveth that brought the children of Israel from the land of the north and from the lands whither he had driven them. And I'll bring them again into their land and I'll give them that I gave unto their fathers. What was Jeremiah saying? He was saying, I want to tell you, the same God that brought us out of Egypt can bring us out of the bondage we're in now. The same God that brought us out of that slavery, that brought us out of sin that carried us through the Red Sea, amen, which was a type of baptism and a type of renewal that walked with us under a cloud by day and a fire by night. When we had a real experience with God, he's saying it's not time to sit around and think about how it used to be. It's time to say God's about to end my nightmare now. Hallelujah. It's about to end it now. Jeremiah went on and said, in Jeremiah 23 and 3, I'll gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries, whither I have driven them. I'll bring them again to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. You see, they, their response to this was, we were like them that dream. In other words, it's too good to be true. I want to tell you, there's a great need of restoration in the church today. There's, there's a need for people to get back to an experience with God that's alive. You might be here this evening and you're, you've been living a nightmare. Your heart's been broken. You've been disappointed. You've been hurt. You've been wounded. You're like the man, amen, that went from, some, from Jerusalem down, amen, to, uh, down to uh, Jericho and fell among thieves and they wounded him and left him half dead. Has anybody ever fell half dead since you've been saved? You felt like somebody tried to kill you. Felt like you've been attacked. You've been robbed. You've been abused. You've been mistreated. Paul said, I've been cast down but not forsaken. Can you say amen? I, I know what it's like for the enemy to come in and try to and come in and rob and steal and wound you and try to mortally try to finish you up but how many knows you can live through things amen I say if you've got some faith you can by faith you can live through some things help me y'all pray I need to preach this tonight I won't tell you by faith you can survive financial oppression. By faith, you can survive losing a job. By faith, you can survive them repossessing your car. But if you've got faith in God, listen, the just shall live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. The blessing of the Lord consisteth not of the abundance of things. No wonder Peg McKamey kicked her shoes off and shouted, he's God on the mountain, but he's still God in the valley. Are you hearing me? When things are 
are good. It's easy to talk about God and his blessings. But when you're in the nightmare, it takes some faith. My, 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 I'm preaching better than yourself. You'll have to walk it by faith. You'll have to depend on God by faith. In the middle of your nightmare, you'll have to hold on, amen, and trust God to bring you out of it. To bring you out. I've watched people, I've ministered to them who were in struggles and I've had them look at me and say, where is God? That's not the answer. Hallelujah, your answer ought to be, I'm trusting God. Are you hearing me? It takes faith to survive. Am I preaching all right? I'll heal you here in a minute. You see, but sometimes we get in a situation where people we trusted have betrayed us. People's hearts have been broken. I've, I've sat and counseled with, with wives whose husbands have betrayed them and left them. I've sat and counseled with husbands whose wives had betrayed them and left them. The fiancés who, who were left almost at the altar who were abandoned. Can you say amen? I, I know what it's like to be broken. I've, I've tried to deal with children who were abandoned by their parents or abused by their parents and they went through horrible things and, I, and, 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 they, and all of their lives it's plagued them and they live under a, under a, under a bondage. Do you understand what I'm saying? They, they, they feel soiled. They, they, they feel like that, uh, that they cannot ever be worthy worth anything because after all if daddy molested me or, or daddy abused me what good am I I've come to tell you that's a nightmare but when the nightmare is over it's so good that you think it's a dream can you am I preaching all right when God brings deliverance when God brings you out I want to tell you something tonight folks you get it feels so good they said we were like somebody that was in a dream we just couldn't imagine that God could make it this good uh, amen the Bible said in Psalm Psalms 30 and 5, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. It's possible if you'll hold on, God will bring you out. He'll bring you out. Glory. When the nightmare is over. I, I thought David, when David had sinned and he had committed adultery, had a woman's husband killed. He had lost out with God. Nathan the prophet came, told him the parable that a man that had one little ewe lamb and a neighbor that had great flocks and herds and the rich man had, had uh, somebody that came to, to spend the night with him instead of taking a kid from his own flock to prepare a meal. He went and stole the little ewe lamb that the one man, that was all he had, and he killed it and slaughtered it and fed it to that stranger. And David got indignant and got angry. And according to the law, David said, this man will surely die and have to restore sevenfold everything that he's done. But then Nathan pointed the finger at him and said, David, you're the man. You took Bathsheba. You've, God said, I gave you wives. I gave you all these. I would have given you more. But you took Uriah's wife and you put him to death. And David said, he went out and began to weep. And he said, oh God, create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. He said, take not your Holy Spirit from me. But then in verse 12, 
of Psalm 51. He said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. Here's what he said. That the bones which you have broken. In other words, the crushing weight of conviction, the crushing weight of judgment has brought me to a place that I didn't think I could survive. But he said, God, if you'll restore me, then I'll teach sinners and they'll be converted. Then I'll share this good news of God's mercy and God's love. Can I tell you, when you get on the other side, of a battle, when you get on the other side of a failure, when you get on the other side of backsliding, when you get on the other side of sin, why are you talking about, preacher? When you come back to the cross, when you get your sin back under the blood, when you repent, when you turn to God, I want to tell you there's a restoration process, there's a refreshing that comes from God, and the nightmare is over. Hallelujah. It's over. Look at somebody and say, It's over. God will make a way. God will restore. God will heal. Can you say amen? In Hosea 14 and 4, he said, I'll heal their backsliding. I'll love them freely. Amen. In Micah 7 and 18, he said, Who is like unto thee? Who is a God like unto thee that pardons iniquity, passes by the transgression? Amen, that retains not his anger forever, but delights in mercy. Verse 19, he'll turn again, have compassion on us. He'll subdue our iniquities. He'll cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. What are you saying? I'm saying God won't be angry forever. God will revive. God will refresh. God will restore. It's possible to get past the hour of darkness and the time of bondage and come through the nightmare into the glorious daylight of God's favor and God's blessings and rejoice in the goodness of God. Wow. You see, I want you to notice something about this story. The reason they were in captivity was, well, let me say this first. When they returned, they said the heathen, amen, said the Lord hath done great things unto them. I want to tell you, the world is watching the church. How many know that? The world is watching the church. Everywhere Jesus went, the crowd was always there. The Pharisees, the scribes, the priests, they plotted, they planned, they wanted to kill him, they wanted to stop him. There was a time when Jesus walked into a synagogue, a man there with a withered hand in Mark, and the scripture said they watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath. And while they were watching, Jesus questioned them about their intentions. But then he just looked at the man and said, reach forth your hand. And suddenly that withered man's hand was made whole. Now you would think that the church would rejoice. The crowd was in awe. The people marveled at the great things the Bible said that he had done. But can I tell you, the religious leadership, the scribes, the Pharisees, amen, they wanted to put him to death. They wanted to stop him. Can you say amen? But how many knows for that man with the crippled hand, the nightmare was over and the world began to watch and say, look, no man's ever done the things like he's doing. Amen, hallelujah. The Bible said a fame of him began to spread abroad. The more they tried to stop it when Jesus 
came into the land of the Gadarenes and the man was in the tombs, possessed with a legion of devils, cutting himself, breaking chains, running around naked in the tombs. And they often tried to bind him. They tried to lock him up, Adam, but they couldn't hold him. Demonic power tormented his life. But today he met Jesus. Can somebody say amen? When he met Jesus, when they came back, you know how they found him? Clothed in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And your Bible said they didn't rejoice. They asked Jesus to leave the country. But that man said, Lord, let me go with you. That Jesus said, no, no, you just go tell them what great things the Lord has done. Hallelujah. Come on, give him praise. The world is watching. There's a witness of the church. There's a witness of a church that one time was known for miracles. One time known for healings. One time known for deliverance. There's a witness of a church, amen, that at one time had the power of God. And the world is watching today. And they're watching as many Christians are in bondage. Many Christians are, dis- are discouraged and defeated. They feel like God has left them. Oh, I don't want to preach like this, but I've got to preach what the Lord's given me tonight. It's a nightmare when you can't feel God. Amen. It's a nightmare when you can't shout. Woo, hallelujah. Somebody help me. Somebody, you know, I've, I've, I'm sick to death of people saying it ain't all in a shout. No, it ain't all in a shout, but it's all right to shout, amen. Hallelujah, it's all right to get happy. Praise God. I was talking to a guy the other day, and he's talking about a Baptist preacher, and he said, man, said he gets happy. I said, what do you mean he gets happy? He said, I mean he gets like you people. said he gets loose. and said he shouts, and he carries on. I said, why don't you just go and say it? He gets blessed. He gets in the Holy Ghost. And, and I began to think about that. I said, there's a lot of Pentecostal preachers and a lot of Pentecostal singers and a lot of Pentecostal pew warmers that don't get happy anymore. It must be a nightmare not to be able to experience the touch of God. Hallelujah. Must be a nightmare to lose your joy. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. The world is watching us, church. The world is watching our response to the move of God. The world's watching our response to worship. They're watching our response to problems and difficulties. Where is God? So many today, you know, the world says that all the time. I heard Sister Gail say it this morning. They said it after 9-11. Where is God? Somebody said he's right where you left him. We like to say that to the world, but I like to say it to the church. Where is God? Where's the move of the Holy Ghost? (laughs) Woo, help me now. How many's glad you can shout tonight? Wave at me. Praise God. How many's glad you can feel the Lord? Praise God. How many's glad God heals and blesses and moves among us? Hallelujah. You ought to just give him praise. Glory to God. If you don't praise him, you'll lose it. I said, if you don't praise him, amen, it'll leave. Woo! If you don't worship him, he'll move on down the road and you'll be in a nightmare situation. Glory to God. For I will speak a word to you. I will declare a thing to you, my child. I will say to you, come close to me. 
Seek after me. Turn away from that thing that has pulled you down, from that thing that has discouraged your shout, discouraged your anointing. Turn away from those things that have blinded you from seeing my face. Turn away from those things that have cut off your reach for my hand. But come to me, says the Lord. I will restore. I'll bring you back to the place of my favor, back to the place of my blessing, says the Lord. You'll know what it is to experience me in the joy of salvation again. I am your God. I haven't left you. Only return. Call upon me and I'll bring you back, says the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Give him praise if you would. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Preaching for just a little while longer tonight when the nightmare is over. I see what the world sees when they look at the church. I wonder what they think about us. And then I think about the Lord's chastening. You see, sometimes the nightmare is God's chastening. It can be severe. It can be called enforced learning. In other words, God's going to get your attention somehow. God's going to deal with you about what you're doing that displeases him. God deals with me. I've been chastened by the Lord before. It's not much fun. Can you say amen? I went to pray and heard God just, well, I didn't hear him. The silence was enough. That's all I needed to hear. And then I began to examine myself. Listen, when I can't get a prayer through, I don't look at you. Huh? People go to church and they'll walk off grumbling and hollering, I can't get fed. Let me tell you something. You feed babies. You hear me? I said you feed babies. You feed little ones. You, you start infants out on a bottle. Then when they graduate, you uh, little, little grow, grow up a little bit, you start them on baby food. And then you start them on table food. And pretty soon they get like this little pretty thing here. They can feed themselves. Amen. Then they get like Dylan. You can't stop feeding them. Amen. <laughs> if it ain't laying still, they might eat it. Hallelujah. It's just people learn to feed themselves. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that a full-grown child of God ought to be able to feed themselves. full-grown child of God ought to be able to read, pray, study, seek God. Can I get some help in here? Hallelujah. You know, a lot of people's problem is they come to church waiting for somebody to preach them happy, preach them full. Can you say amen? And then they get in a nightmare situation and they don't know why they can't get, why God is not moving. Has anybody ever been there or heard somebody say that? And I thought like this, sometimes you're there because, and you can't get out of there because you haven't learned the lesson yet. And God's dealing with you, amen? Sometimes God will even chasing you. How about that? In Hebrews 12 and 5, he says, you've forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you're rebuked by him, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is he whom the father chastens not? In other words, sometimes we find ourselves in the nightmare that we're in 
in the dry place we're in, in the place of want and need because we've walked away from God. We've stopped praying. Come on, somebody help me. We've lost the ability to worship. We won't raise our hands in his presence. We won't cry unto God. We won't honor God, amen, with our lifestyle. And we're trying to do the things that satisfy the flesh. Am I preaching all right? If that's you, get ready. God's gonna begin to deal with you about it. And it's called a nightmare. It's a nightmare, hallelujah. When it seems like your money bag's got holes in it. The more you make, the more it takes. <laughs> Amen. There's never enough. Well, I'm preaching awful good for y'all not to be shouting with me tonight. I, maybe I'm helping you. The nightmare. The nightmare can be the chastening of the Lord. But don't despise it. Turn your heart toward God. Begin to call on the Lord. Begin to seek his face. Hallelujah. I've had people say, I come to church. I pay my tithes. I'm faithful, preacher. Are you? How faithful are you in seeking the face of God? How faithful are you in pulling away from, from things that appeal to the flesh and going after God? How often do you push the plate back? Hallelujah. He didn't say, he didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. Amen. He didn't say if you pray. He said when you pray. He said when you enter the prayer closet. Am I doing all right? If we're not careful, we can get caught up in the routine of life, the busyness, the cares of the world, even the deceitfulness of riches, prosperity, sometimes is the greatest hindrance to spiritual growth. Am I doing all right? Sometimes God has to get us broke so we'll start praying again. Hmm. Is God mean? No, he's a father. And what son is or daughter is not chastened? If God didn't deal with you, it would mean he didn't love you. That's what the scripture says. Listen. 1 Peter 3, 17 said, for it is better if the will of God be so. What? Now that, that kind of flies in the face in the, in the face of a lot of modern preaching, prosperity, you know, preaching. I'm a prosperity preacher, praise God. I like to prosper. Amen. I want to prosper. I want you to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. In other words, on the level that you're spiritual, that's the level that you need prosperity. Huh? Peter said it like this, for it's better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ has also once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. And when you read that in this context, all that is saying is, don't go out here and get away from God and suffer as an evildoer, but if the will of God be so that you suffer, amen, for Christ's sake, that's all right. But what you need to know is there's a place that you can get away from God, away from the things of God. Lose the hunger for God. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for they shall be filled. God God's trying to bring the church, I think, full circle to quit seeking the world and seek him. Hallelujah. Seek him. Ah, hallelujah. Yeah, Lord. Hallelujah. Hmm. Yes, Jesus. 
for you do wrong when you seek me for an abundance of things and do not seek me for my presence. For many of you are full and you have too much of the things that you've desired. But you have not much of me, says the Lord. Seek after me. I will come. I'll bring you to the place of victory again. I'll bring you to the place of the outpouring of my spirit. I will cause you to be full, says the Lord. Hallelujah. When the nightmare is over, when the chastening ends, when the disciplinary process has run its course, when God says it's enough, when David numbered Israel against the advice of Joab, and because he did, God sent a prophet to him and said, you choose what you want. Fall into the hand of your enemies. Flee from before them or let pestilence come in the land. And David said, don't let me fall in the hands of men, but let God judge me. Have you ever wondered about that? All he did was go out and count how many soldiers he had. How many men of war, how many chariots, how many horses. Because, and I think maybe I explained this to you, the reason they did that was that kings in that day would, would find out if they had 100,000 soldiers and 5,000 chariots and, and all these different, the strength of an army, and they would send notices to the king in the next country and say, you better not mess with me, my army's this big. It was flexing their muscles militarily. And Joab said, the, the Lord add to the king a hundred times more than what he's got. But don't do this wickedness. In other words, don't trust in the arm of the flesh. Trust God. And, but David, knowing better, went and numbered Israel. And when he did, God sent a plague. And thousands were dying. I think 40,000, something like that, died. And you know what God did? David was crying before God, and God said, it's enough. Can I tell you something? Tears get God's attention. When you're in the nightmare and the pain and the discouragement, I've been seeing people crying tears in the altar. And, and because of pain and brokenness and hardship and difficulty, tears gets God's attention. Amen. When they're crying out in faith. What do you mean? Well, like Hezekiah, when, when the prophet came and said, you're going to die, and he turned his face to the wall, and he cried out to God. And when Isaiah came back, he said, the Lord said, I've seen your tears. I've heard your cries. And he added 15 years. When Hannah was barren, the Bible said she cried, and God saw her tears. And then God gave her Samuel. Are you hearing me? I'm telling you, there's a place that you can get that you can pray through. You can press in. You can seek God. And the nightmare can be over it can be over and the blessing of God can come the spirit can be poured out financial breakthrough hallelujah physical healing hallelujah I, well, brother Moody, you're saying I messed up. No, I'm, I'm not saying I'm none of that. I'm just saying I'm telling you there's times that the nightmare can be over it could just be a trial of your faith 
But if it is, don't lament it. Count it more precious than gold. If you check yourself and you know you're right with God and you're seeking God and this battle's not over, this struggle's not ended, how many knows you just gotta hold on? And when you when you come through that trial, the Bible said you'll be like gold tried in a furnace and God will reward you openly if you'll hold on to him, amen. And then God begins to restore and God begins to bless. He'll restore you to faith. He'll restore you to favor. He'll restore you to holiness. He'll restore you to humility. God will bring back the praise to Zion and when the world sees it, they'll say the Lord has done a great thing and like Israel will be so overwhelmed we'll think we're dreaming. Hallelujah. Revival. Restoration. Isaiah 54 said it like this. It said, Sing, O barren, thou that did not bear, break forth into singing. Cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. What was he saying? He was prophesying a time when God would lift up the, the desolate, the barren, the broken, the hurting. God would bring restoration. Hallelujah. Isaiah 54 and verse 7, he said, For a small moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercies I will gather you. And they were saying, God is telling them, I'll bring you back. I'll, I'll restore you. Amen. I will take away the pain. I'll end the night. I'll end the darkness. As I said, God said, weeping may endure for a night, but joy, joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. They used to sing that old song, tears often fall from my face in sorrow as I press on through the long, lonely night. Are you hearing me? But then it said in the distance, I can see the dawning of light. Joy comes in the morning. Amen. This weeping is not going to go on. This nightmare is not going to last forever. God told me to tell somebody tonight, get ready. It's time for a breakthrough. It's time for deliverance. It's time for a new day. It's time the sun's going to rise. Amen. With healing in his wings. And God will bring you back to the place of favor. Back to the place. Hallelujah. Jared, would you come? Seems like I've labored hard. I don't know if I preach good or not, but I've sure tried. I've sure tried. I've never preached this before. When the nightmare is over, it just seemed like the Lord dealt with me about it. How many has been through some nightmares lately? I know, I know Wayne has physically and some things financially that's happened, and God's blessed him, healed him, given him a good job. Hallelujah. How many how many's been through some nightmares? Lord, just raise your hand. I've been through some nightmares. Glory. You, you might still be in that nightmare right now. Lord, but hold on, people. You know, people run around hotter than I'm living the dream. Got a good job. Got a good car. Got a nice fishing boat. Got a motorcycle. Got this. Got that. Nice home. All that's good. Nothing wrong with that. Turn around and tell somebody, that's okay. But what about the favor of God? I'm not talking about the fact your checkbook's balanced. I'm talking about the touch of God. The move. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? The move. The rejoicing. The worship. The shout. The praise. The time in His presence when 
You feel like your skin's crawling. It's the presence of God. One place the river said, the hair of my flesh rose up. I felt my hair stand up. The presence of God. I never forget this right after Gail and I had been saved long and saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. We was just doing good. Man, we was doing good. Then Trina, it seemed like the bottom dropped out of everything. It seemed like I was broke all the time. If I wasn't broke, something else was breaking. Everything we had was tearing up. Had never had no money, just scraping the bottom of the barrel, tithing, trying to be, you know, trying to live a good life, praying, seeking God. I was checking myself, and I was even checking Gail out, see if there was something wrong with one of us. And I, I mean, I, as far as I could see, we was doing good. It seemed like everything was nothing was amounting to nothing in our house. I'll never forget this. By the time I was working second shift in the factory. And I, they'd ask me for over, if I wanted overtime, I'd take all I could get because it still seemed like nothing helped us. And I was supposed to get off at work at 11 o'clock. And I'd worked over one night to 3 o'clock in the morning because my guy on my shift didn't come in, run the print and press. And I'd worked at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I was tired. And I was driving home. And I was lamenting my condition. God seems like nothing's working. You know, just kind of complaining to God. Larry, I came out in Newtown Pike, and I got on that ramp at exit 115, getting up on the interstate. I was riding along, just me by myself, talking to God. And the thought hit me, why don't you quit whining and start praising Him? And so I just started saying, Lord, I love you. If I never have another dime in my pocket, I'm glad you just saved me. I said, if this stinking car blows up before I get to the next exit and I have to walk home, I still love you. I started praying like that. I started just magnifying God. Next thing I knew, I just kind of busted out praying in tongues and praying in the Spirit. And Carol, the more I worshiped and prayed, the thicker it got in that car. It seemed like the Spirit just filled the car up. It got to the place, Kayla, I felt like somebody was breathing on the back of my neck. Presence of God. I mean, it's like it just crawling all over me. This may sound crazy, but I was a young Christian. I was afraid to look in the rearview mirror. I was afraid I might see God and die. That's how powerful it was. And man, I just got caught up in the Spirit. Tears of flowing, Holy Ghost rolling out of me, talking in tongues, praising God. Next thing I knew, I kind of come to myself, and I'd done past Richmond. I was at Bria. Man, I was just having me a Holy Ghost spell. I'd done past Gail and the house and everything up, and just kept right on going. I, I got to Bria and I, I made me an exit and I turned around. Well, I said, Lord, I praise you. I thank you for this good feeling, Lord. I wouldn't trade this for all the prosperity in the world. And all of a sudden, it hit me again. It just got like it blew in the car. It got so rich, I couldn't see tears running down my face. Presence of God, so sweet. I got back to Richmond, passed the exit up, just kept on going. Went to Boonesboro, turned around, come back. You're crazy, preacher. No, sir. I was getting what I needed. Hallelujah. Sometime about 5 o'clock, I finally made it in the house. Hallelujah. You hear what I'm saying? I was just out in the driveway, out in the yard, just walking around. Just praising my Jesus, loving on God. Things begin to change, Adam, from that moment. It seemed like breakthrough started to happen. 
God began to move. I needed two tires on the car. No way of getting any money. And that week I got a check in the mail from the electric company. They said I'd paid my bill on time so good. They sent me my deposit back. I didn't know they ever did that. And I saw I had money to go buy the tires that I needed. Y'all hear y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I'm telling you, when the nightmare's over, God will make a way. God will give you a breakthrough. God will bring prosperity. God will save your children. God will deliver your brother, your sister, your mama, your daddy. God will do it when the nightmare is over. Hallelujah. Stand with me if you would. Hope you enjoyed today's message and will tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.